dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I am your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BurnsClan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining me as always is the founder of The Witness. He has a very extensive bio, the man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, the history professor, the international speaker, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself, Dr. Jamar Tisby. What's going on, brother? Feeling good. Feeling hot. It's 102 degrees outside, but that's another topic altogether. But yes, listen, we man. <laughs> listen, what this heat is not regular heat. This earth is not a regular earth anymore. You Special. notice I said earth, E A R F. Earth. The earth ain't regular no more. Might be E E E A R F. Might have like six E's. Earth. <laughs> man, you know, it's funny. The When we started doing these retreats in this last iteration of Pass the Mic, we've talked about so many times where you were not able to say what you have been called to say or places that silenced and suppressed you from being able to speak. Mm. And one of these way, one of these places I remember was Grove City. And this mm. was maybe the most famous of the places, Grove City College, where there's so much backlash after you deliver a talk on the color of compromise, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So you went there to deliver that talk, all this backlash happens and then now as a result the audio is lost like did you ever get that (laughs) yeah so so this i didn't even go heavy into this because with grove city college for folks who don't know there was all this manufactured controversy partly over a chapel message i gave now what most folks don't realize is that was only one of the two talks that I gave. Okay. So I gave the chapel message that morning, but that evening I gave a book talk on the color of compromise. Mysteriously, that book talk, which was supposed to be recorded, never made the light of day. Hmm. Now I talked to the organizer who invited me, who's done dozens of these invited speaker events. And he said, that's the first time that's ever happened in his entire time of inviting speakers, recording them and all of that stuff. I think one of the things they said, it was a technical issue. Of course. Right? Yeah, you know? of course. So it was just very interesting. And it's not the first time it's happened. Like I remember back in, like when, when Trump was a candidate in 2015, 2016, speaking out against him. And then my own home church, I was scheduled to preach. I was on the schedule. And then abruptly, Someone told me from the leadership, uh, yeah, you're not going to preach anymore. Wow. Yeah. So he told you not just for that one, but anymore, you weren't going to preach. Well, it was for that one, but I never did preach there again. Wow. So did they ever officially tell you, hey, it's because of these comments? Did they say the quiet part out loud? They said, we think it would be a distraction. Hmm. We think it would be too controversial for some. So basically they were saying so many people in the congregation or enough people in the congregation think you are whatever that to put you in the pulpit would, would distract from wow. worship. Basically you in sin. Listen, <laughs> That's what they we saying. won't get all up into that, but you know, they, they sat me down. It's wild. Recently I had the same thing happen to me. Mm. I was scheduled to preach at a conference and found out that I was removed on scrolling through social media. Had no clue. 
had full access proximity to the people, the organizers had seen them many, many times before that point. It was not like they couldn't get a hold of me. They, they, they knew could you. text me, they could call me, they know me well, they could send me an email, they could have a conversation with me in person. And it was changing. There was no, there was an explanation given until I asked over a week later or over like, well, no, it was, yeah, it was over a week later. And really, there was no explanation really given Dang. as to why. And um, been pulled off preaching engagements, no explanation, just completely. And it and it, it's a particular level of silencing and censorship mm-hmm. because none of what I was actually going to say or talk about intersected with race and justice in any way. But it was just, they just decided they didn't want me to preach at that space. Everything about you. It was weird. Like, it's it's a weird feeling. You kind of sit back, you're like, okay, so I'm not welcome here. And what I bring isn't welcomed here. It's a weird feeling when you don't get to give the sermon or the speech that you were intending to give. And that brings us to our topic today, which is the 60th anniversary of the historic March on Washington. And by the time that we hear this podcast, you hear this podcast that should have already passed on August 28th, on August 28th. And going all the way back to 1963, the climate was different, yet not that different from what we're experiencing now. And you wrote an article about this that actually, the title is so fascinating, the speech they never let John Lewis give. Is that the title, right? Yeah, the speech they wouldn't let him give. They wouldn't let John Lewis give. Can you talk about this backstory? Because it's so fascinating to hear. We see these, you go to the Civil Rights Museum in Memphis, and there's this whole section where you can listen to all the speeches that mm-hmm. are given from, you know, I think it's E. Franklin Frazier and Ralph Abernathy mm-hmm. and Dr. King, of course, and also John Lewis. Yes, he gave And you can speech. hear people sing and Marian Anderson sing and, mm. you know, all that. And so you can... you. But then you get to that space where you're like, oh, is this the speech John Lewis really intended to give? And we right. know now that it's not. Yeah, it's not. There's this whole intrigue. I mean, there's this whole backstory. Like, there's 250,000 people at the march. So it takes some planning, right? And it also didn't come out of nowhere. We all, we, we should know by now, A. Philip Randolph proposed a march on Washington back in the 40s to protest segregation, not particularly in the military, but with military contracts. So this is like 1941 before the U.S. entered the war, mm. and it, but it's the war machine. It's supplying war materials to Europe, but the U.S. government wasn't giving contracts to black-owned businesses, so they weren't able to get in on the boom. So A. Philip Randolph proposed this ma- march on Washington, and he said it was going to be 100,000 people. FDR, who was president at the time, got spooked. He's like, no, 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 no. Well, okay, we'll do it. <laughs> and so it you, ne- said 100, <laughs> you said 100,000? You said 100,000? 100,000 black people? 100? In front of the White House? Um you know what? what? (laughs) So yeah, he relented and um, the march then never happened, but it was always sort of in the back pocket as something that would happen. So then the question is, why 1963? Why 22 years later? Well, it was partly in response to, long story short, they tried to desegregate University of Alabama and then Governor George Wallace did this. Yeah, it was literally Wallace, a photo op. Right. He stood in the schoolhouse doors and blocked them. It was purely symbolic. National Guard was there. He moved, right? And then um, uh, Vivian Malone and uh, a guy named Hood, they integrated the university. 
But in response to that nationally televised incident with George Wallace standing in front of the school, President Kennedy, JFK, goes on TV and does a live press conference in which he makes his most forthright speech in support of civil rights that he'd Mm. done to date. And he promises a civil rights act. So this was done in concert with JFK and then obviously his brother, Robert Kennedy, as well. And so it's important to understand when we're talking about the people who would not allow him to give the speech, we're talking about those in the government who would say, whoa, you got to change these remarks, right? So essentially, standing before 250,000 people, they clearly see this is going to be a movement. And when you think about it as a speaker, standing in front of a quarter of a million people. That's a lot of people. You know, what do you even do with the words that are being said? What do you even do with your inflection what do you even do with your voice on a practical level mm-hmm. and john lewis was very young at the time very young yes and you're thinking about him standing in at that moment him you know being this voice for justice him in the shadow of dr king and you're standing in this moment and you're like this is what i want to say yeah this is what i'm this is this, this is, is the sh- moment yes and i'm going to say this so officially he submits the remarks and then then what happens yeah so it, kind of everybody it's first of all the the rumors surrounding the march on washington are very negative it's one of those things again where like n- now we celebrate mlk but in his day he was reviled same with the march on washington hmm. what was going on in the press at that point especially with like racial justice resistors was this is going to turn violent this is going to be a riot this is going to be horrible you can't have all these black people in one place it it will descend into chaos so the organizers were trying to keep it nonviolent trying to keep a tight rain on everything that was happening and just logistically knowing what's going on. So all the major presenters submitted their speeches. They they submitted them. And part of the reviewers were uh, Robert Kennedy, who was the attorney general, and then Burke Marshall, who was the head of the civil rights division mm-hmm. in the Department of Justice. So they got it. They read it. And they were like, uh, they cannot be delivered as written. And then there was this, um, there was that's, this, that's very, that's a very professional way of saying <laughs> that's exactly. Yes. Very political way. And then there was this Catholic Cardinal, Patrick O'Boyle, who was supposed to deliver the invocation. He threatens to pull out if hmm. John Lewis delivers. So this he had speech. read it before. So yes. this is very interesting. So he had read them before. So I'm assuming he's read all the remarks. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't just John Lewis submitting. So he it. wasn't like, "Oh, I need to read everything before I before I stand up there and wow." Which is a great point, a sort of tangential point about the role of Catholics in religious racism. We always talk about Protestants and wow. we have a lot of smoke for them, but there's a strain of Catholicism that's also very racially regressive oh. even to this day. So he's threatened to to not give the invocation, which would have been a really bad look. Um for the march in general. So they're the first, but then, so in our examples, our real life examples, it's people who we would not necessarily consider on the side of racial justice who are pulling us from these events. Correct. Yes, correct. With John Lewis's speech, it was also the organizers of the march, the black organizers of the hmm. march. So these are people who are supporting racial justice, but now they're thinking about the march as a whole. Well, so let's talk about the march as a whole. I think that's a great segue The March on Washington is known as the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. Yes. And in addition to that, there were demands that were given. 
Can you talk about that? Because we don't often talk about demands. And I think this is one of the core, the misprinciples of organizing. And I've been at some of these marches where people will stand and block the road for specific things. I was at a march in 2020 where they blocked the interstate, the busiest interstate highway in the city for five specific things that they had told the mayor they wanted. The Mm. mayor came out. It's a thousand people outside. Mm. The mayor came out and they're like, oh, this is our chance. And so the mayor is trying to prevent an incident of people getting run over and traffic being blocked all the way back, backed up all the way back through the bridge. And they negotiate. It's it's on video. They negotiate live right there. And wow. it's over these specific demands. And you're like, helpful. oh, they're just standing in front of the highway. They're just blocking no. the highway. That's not the way to do it. No, it worked because they were actually able to get three out of the five demands. Wow. You know, and it's like, oh, no, there's something specific that they're standing for. So can you talk about what those 10 demands were? And you're right. There's often the critique like this is just like undirected protest without any productive outcome. Oftentimes, there's very specific outcomes people have in mind. So with the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, there was this list of 10 demands distributed to legislatures, legislators in particular because they wanted these laws passed. So one Comprehensive and effective civil rights legislation from the present Congress without compromise or filibuster, which there was a filibuster. But they ended up getting Civil Rights Act in 1964, kind of took the assassination of President JFK, but they got that. Um, Withholding of federal funds from all programs in which discrimination exists. Hmm. So basically they said they don't want the federal government doing business with people who are overtly uh, promoting segregation or um, practicing it in their own business. Another one was the desegregation of all school districts in 1963. Wow. You know, smart goals, you know, time bound. <laughs> time the T is time bound. Yeah. They said in 1960, now. Now. Yeah. Um, enforcement of the 14th Amendment, reducing congressional representation of states where citizens are disenfranchised. Hmm. So 14th Amendment is voting rights. They're basically saying in the South, where there's voter repression, there should be consequences and penalties yes. from the federal government. A new executive order banning discrimination in all housing supported by federal funds. So again, with housing, you could have uh, federally constructed housing, but it was distributed on a segregated basis. So right. They're like, no, that's not okay. Um, authority for the attorney general to institute injunctive suits when any constitutional right is violated. Basically, they say, what was happening is they were saying, the federal government was saying, these civil rights violations are state matters. We're not going to get involved. Yeah. What the marchers are saying is, no, we want you to be able to have an injunctive suit, issue an injunction to stop yeah. unjust laws, right? So, like, if they're marching yeah. in Birmingham exactly. and okay. they say, you know, you can't hold signs or something like that, the attorney general, they want to be able to say that you can't do that. You can't do that. Um, a massive federal program to train and place all unemployed workers. Hmm. I like this one. They were talking about a federal jobs program. Yes. They were talking about wow. like universal employment. March on Washington for jobs. jobs. Um, another one was a national minimum wage act. Hmm. Because even in 1963, yeah, minimum wage wasn't keeping up with inflation. Uh, Broad and Fair Labor Standards Act to include all areas of employment which are presently excluded. In the New Deal, um, two areas that were excluded yeah. were agriculture yeah. and domestic, domestic service. Domestic services. Yeah. Yeah. Which black folk were the help. Exactly. Um, and then lastly, a f- 
Federal Fair Employment Practices Act, barring discrimination by federal, state, and municipal governments and by employer's contract. Basically, federal government cannot be one of the practitioners of segregation. And this is important because we're talking about 60 years and you listen to those demands and you're saying, oh, we could march for a lot of those now. Right now. You know, if you talk about minimum wage and the raising of minimum wage to a certain national level, we could march for that now. We could march for, you know, specific things that are not covered under the federal government's, you know, protections and um, benefits that aren't given to certain workers in certain industries. We could march for a lot of this right now. Yes, it hasn't changed. And isn't it interesting that we're in the cusp right now as we're recording this of a worker strike in Hollywood. That's right. right. You know, That's it's right. Just, in the middle of one. We're in the middle of that. We can make endless connections to. Well, so when we're talking about this, it wasn't just a bunch of speeches. It was directly related to the live conditions of, and I love this, not just black people, but all people Come on. in the country. Come on. It's just black people were leading the charge. Do we realize that when black folks get what we deserve in terms of rights, that's good for everybody. Mm. Everybody. So that's good. In the midst of all these demands, obviously not a lot's going right. And even with JFK's like newfound support of the civil rights movement, some leaders are not pleased. They don't think it's genuine. Yeah. They don't think it goes far enough. John Lewis was one of those. Now, John Lewis is the head of Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, which is seen as one of like the most radical groups because, yes. because they went into the Mississippi Delta. Right, right. Like not even King's SCLC would do that. NAACP wasn't doing that. They had tried. They were like, ah, we're going to go to the bigger city. It's a little rugged down you know, here. You know. you know, let me go to Chicago. It's but little- SNCC was a bunch of college kids. They wore overalls. They slept in, you know, sharecroppers' cabins with them. So, and they risked their lives, literal, literally. You know, Goodman, Schwerner, Cheney lost their lives. So that's what the energy John Lewis was on. So let's take a break and then we're going to come back and talk about the contents of John Lewis's speech and why the speech they wouldn't let John Lewis give is something that we need to take heed of today as we become active witnesses for the justice that we seek. We'll be right back on Pastor Mike. I see what you did. Hey everybody, this is Tyler. This is Dr. Jamar Tisby. And we are excited that you're listening to this episode of Pastor Mike, but let me encourage you to support us. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Pastor Mike. And for just $1 an episode. Just a dollar? Now that's the bare minimum. That's four quarters. But if you want to go higher, okay, 5, you can go 10, higher. 15, right. 20, 25, whatever it is, that will keep this show going and keep the high quality that hopefully you enjoy. So thank you for listening, but you can take it to the next level. Patreon.com slash Pass the mic. We appreciate you. Hey, everybody, this is Tyler Burns with Pass the Mic, inviting you to join us for the Active Witness Challenge. You know, here at The Witness, we love symbols. And the 1965 March on Selma was an activation of Christians who loved Jesus and also loved justice. They walked 54 miles for change, for civil rights, for truth, 
and for freedom. And we want to invite people all across the country to join us for an entire month, the month of September, as we walk, jog, run, swim, or cycle 54 miles wherever we are. Now, this serves two purposes. The obvious purpose, of course, is we are activating our faith for justice, but we are also raising money together for the crucial programs here at The Witness. If you've enjoyed our podcast, our events, all the things that we offer here to encourage black Christians to be free in soul and in body, we want you to join us. You can go to thewitnessfoundation.co forward slash AWC. And here's the awesome thing. You can join teams or even create your own team and encourage people together. Let me just put in a shameless plug. I have a team this year. You can look it up. It's called Feel the Burns. I think Jamar has a team, but don't worry about that. Join my team. But I have a team called Feel the Burns and I want you to join my team. Run or walk. I don't know what. I might be walking. They this heat is serious. I might be walking, but run, walk, jog, cycle, swim with me as we commemorate the 1965 March on Selma. Remember, they walked so that we can run. So we're talking about the speech they wouldn't allow John Lewis to give at the March on Washington as we celebrate the 60th anniversary, hard to believe, but the 60th anniversary of this March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. And I want to know what are the contents of this speech? I think we need to hear the contents of why they were trying to remove this. So now we have it and we have his original what was he talking about that they found to be so objectionable that he couldn't even say it? So first of all, I don't want to overstate it. He didn't change every single word of the speech, but he did have to, quote unquote, soften some things. Of so um, he opens by saying, we march today for jobs and freedom, but we have nothing to be proud of. For hundreds and thousands of our brothers are not here. They don't have money for their transportation, for their receiving starvation wages or no wages at all. Now, this is the un, this is the unedited speech. The unedited speech. The unedited. That, those are his opening lines. The no chaser. Nothing to be proud the no of. No chaser. We ain't got nothing to be proud of. Why y'all? Why y'all clapping? Huh? And what they really didn't like was he 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 pretty much. Uh, takes a direct attack at John F. Kennedy, and he says, in good conscience, we cannot support support wholeheartedly the administration's civil rights bill, for it is too little and too late. There's not one thing in that bill that will protect our people from police brutality. Hmm. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Hmm. He goes on and, and, and talks about the deficiencies of the civil rights bill, including um, the voting rights section he thinks doesn't go far enough. Then he uses this urgent this uh, this language they don't like. He says the revolution is at hand. Now that word revolution in mm. this era is yikes. It reminds people of like international revolutions that are going on, of communist revolutions that yeah. are going on. So there's this whole negative connotation around. They that. said, "Nope, this cannot be. We this cannot be that, delivered that as written." Too Marxist, too <laughs> communist. And he said, "And we must free ourselves from the chains of political and economic slavery. Um, we won't wait. All those things." And here's really a, a, a refrain throughout the speech, including in Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech, to those who have said, be patient and wait. We must say that patience is a dirty and nasty word. Mm. We cannot be patient. We do not want my, to be my, free my, gradually. My, my. We want our freedom and we want it now. My, 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 my. 
So the last thing I'll say, because there's more to the speech and you can read it online or jamartisby.substack.com. Um, he uses this militant language. We won't stop now. All the forces of Eastland, Barnett, Wallace, and Thurmond won't stop this revolution. The time will come when we will not confine our marching to Washington. We will march through the South, through the heart of Dixie, the way Sherman did. We shall pursue our own scorched earth policy and burn Jim Crow to the ground (laughs) nonviolently. We're going to burn you to the ground peacefully. We shall fragment the South into a thousand pieces and put them back together in the image of democracy. We will make the nation of the past few months look petty. And I say to you, wake up, America. Hmm. Mic drop. That was the last my, line of my, speech. My, 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 So Lewis talks a lot in this unedited speech. It sounds like about not being, not waiting. Yes. So he said, we can't wait. We can't wait. Is that, that what he said specifically? Yes. He said, um... We will not wait. We will not wait for the courts to act. We've been waiting for hundreds of years. We'll no, we won't wait for the president, the Justice Department, nor Congress, but we will take matters into our own hands and create a source of power outside of any national structure that could and would assure us a victory. You know, that's fascinating, I think, because in, you know, especially that he didn't get to use that particular speech, because literally the next year, King comes out with the book, Why We Can't Wait. Why We Can't Wait. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yep. That's just very interesting, you know? Like, and I know that's that's not foreign language to King, but I also know that King has had a habitual way of taking, <laughs> of, of borrowing oh, wow. from those around. Even, I have a dream. Yep. Like, you know, that refrain, I have a dream, I have a dream, you know? Yeah. Like, that's that's taken from. Like, that's not a, a black woman specifically. So that's not, this yeah. is not, we're not talking about something. And so it's just so fascinating that he didn't get to give that particular speech with the fire, but that might have been a speech that changed the course of history if he gave it. We never know. We'll never know. I think this is so fascinating because we're in this place now of speaking out for justice and for truth and speaking out for justice and truth in the midst of contested reality underneath a lot of people who would like to control and censor our voices. A big part of why Pastor Mike exists is to, and really the witness exists as well, is to provide as best as possible um, an uncensored or a authentic voice of the black Christian freedom struggle and trying to encourage people to use their voices, to speak and to speak both with uh, boldness, with compassion, with clarity and with fire. We won't shut up. You won't <laughs> shut up. Yes. Shout out Ali Henny. Yes. We're not going to shut up. <laughs> and I think that's just been the refrain that we've consistently had and now we're in this space of what they did to John Lewis is going to, and I even sense it, like I think it's going to really resonate in the bodies of our listeners because there's so many black people that have experienced being silenced, censored, sanitized, sanitized. Ooh, okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> silenced, censored, sanitized, and softened. Ooh, that's a good one. 
we got that on. That's mic. a good yeah, one. I think that's good. the title of this episode. You know yeah. what I'm saying? If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> but you know that that kind of it feels like oh snap we're we want to stand up and we want to speak freely. And no, we recognize we can't say everything that comes to mind, but we want to speak freely and powerfully to our lived experiences and say, no, it is a revolution Mm. because something is wrong with this country. Mm. It is something that we can't wait for because we should have been had freedom by now. Should have been had it. It is. And so the resonance, when you hear that, it's almost, it stirs something up in me to say, I wish you would have had a chance to give that speech. My, 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 who knows? And so now we're here and we're trying to figure out in our marches and what we do on a daily basis, how do we stand up, use our voices and speak freely and boldly? And also not just our our, our voices, but our bodies as well. How do we testify to the reality of what we're marching for? And also remember that those who have come before us have marched for our right Mm -hmm. to stand up, for our right to speak, for our right to share, for our right to have our authentic voices heard. Mm. So a couple of years from now, good Lord willing, we'll also be celebrating another 60th anniversary. This one would be the March on Selma. Mm. And that one, again, they're marching for voting voting rights, all the stuff we could be protesting today. Right now. And in a way, we still are. That's what, that's part of what the witness does. And that's why, you know, a great way to participate in the observance of those who have come before. Mm-hmm. And the great way to remember the civil rights struggle is something that the Witness Foundation has been doing for a few years now. It's called the Active Witness Challenge. Ooh, I like that. And I am so excited that we're coming up on another active witness challenge. Typically every August or September we do it and this year is September. And I'm excited to be able to over the month, walk those 54 miles or run those. 50, I said walk. Cause you know, I'm starting at the low, low, you know, I'm in Florida. <laughs> you, can walk, you, know, you can run, bike, swim, listen, whatever, you know, adaptive athletes, all kinds of things that you can do. Um, I'm going to look at rowing part of it. You know, I think it's just going to be really like awesome that. to, be able to use our bodies to remember these 54 miles in the March on Selma and to come together. One of the most beautiful things about it is there's people all across the country that participate in this active witness challenge Yes, and they use their voices and they use not just their voices, but in some cases they use money and actually donate to this. And they say, well, maybe I'm not physically able to walk or run, but here's what I can do. I can, I can cheer on and I know I'm not going to get to 54 miles, but you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give. Yeah. And I'm going to use because what I'm, what I'm representing is us coming together to use whatever we have to make sure that our voices are heard as active witnesses. Yeah. And the idea is. We don't just look back on these marches and like read facts about them. We understand that we're part of a continuing legacy today. And so um, shout out to the team at the Witness Foundation and the Witness BCC. But the goal, we want a thousand people to participate in the active witness challenge, September 1st through the 30th. And what does it mean? You are declaring today that you stand for racial justice. Yes. And what we often say is what we, 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 we tell ourselves, 
I would have been an active part of the civil rights exactly. movement. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But what you're doing today right now is what you would have done then. Exactly. So the challenge is be true to your word. Be true to your intention. You're calling you, us out. You're calling us out. You say you would participate. Here's an opportunity. And it's a fundraiser, yes, but it's much bigger than that. It's an opportunity to support a Black-led, Black-centered, Christian, justice-oriented organization doing the work. You don't have to come in and be the savior and swoop in and create something separate. There's already something going on. And you can participate not just by making your own donation, but encouraging others. You can participate by being an active witness and marching or rowing or running or biking or swimming. And every mile that you put on the meter, every drop of sweat should remind you of the struggle that we've been through and that we continue to go through for our dignity as image bearers of God. You know, that's so awesome. And, and I think, you know, the opportunity to do this together is is exciting also because you can create teams. Uh-huh. So listen, I'm just going to put out a shameless plug. If you want to join my team, go ahead and join up. My team's called Feel the Burns. You oh, know what's boy. up. So, you oh, know, if you want to get some, if you want to get in on that, you want to share, I'll do some special things for my team. You know, we might hop on a Zoom together. Seriously, like we might just hop on a Zoom to okay, encourage each okay. other. Okay, but, but I'm going to make my team Hold on, too. hold on. No, 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 no. no. I ain't yeah, even trying yeah. to make it a challenge. No, I, I, I wouldn't try to make it a challenge, you. but if we want to make it a challenge we can make it a challenge i mean like, we can do this we can do this i'm gonna form my own team uh i think let, let i'm gonna call it the tis bits <laughs> we gonna call we go for the tis bits come wow through. yeah 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 wow. yeah so it's kind of like swifties but for jabbar tisby <laughs> okay for so those cool. who don't care about feeling the burns so okay this this what he got way bigger followers than me way bigger reach so i need y'all help all right feel the burns <laughs> Go to click the show notes. Go ahead. Click that link in the show notes. Feel the burns. And listen, here's another interesting thing. And I don't want to let the cat out the bag too early, but we might be having a culmination event in person because this is virtual. We might have a little get together, a little shindig, a little thing where we come together and kind of hang a little bit. You never know. Wow. Where we actually gather and descend on a place like they did in the marches. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. You have to keep your ears peeled, your eyes peeled, but... I want everybody who's listening to Pastor Mike to at least participate. Click the link. And even if you don't feel like you can participate in it physically, you can still give something or you can share it with somebody who can participate. And above all else, we this is the foundation of everything we do at Pastor Mike and at The Witness. Pray for this so that we can continue to do the work of bringing exciting content and also keeping that same spirit of justice that was 60 years ago at the March on Washington is still present in 2023 that black Christians are still standing for truth and justice and freedom and for jobs and for philanthropy (laughs) and for money and all the above. So join us in the active witness challenge and join my team Phil Burns as well. And tis bits and we can live out that old aphorism. My feet is tired, but my soul is rest. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs>